Welcome to Both Are True, the space where we look for the healthy memes and different worldviews so that we can boost our meta-immune systems and heal some of the ancestral trauma we're carrying around in this post-colonial, industrialized world that keeps getting warmer. That's Olivia Krokam, a tantric mediator based in Cape Town, South Africa. I don't know if you also do this thing, but I sometimes, I'm too ashamed to admit that I'm going through something, so I like, I claim that it's something that people in general go through, and then I speak about it like that. Um, so I'd say something like, uh, you know how some people kind of sometimes feel a little bit of shame after sex? And then try and have a conversation about this hy- hypothetical group of people who feel this feeling that I'm actually feeling but I, but that I'm just ironically too ashamed in this case to to say that I'm feeling that's kind of what I did or at least what I started to do at some points in this conversation with Olivia um, but I kind of caught myself and owned up to it and she was very kind and warm and approachable and um, yeah really created a space where I felt safe enough to speak about some of these uncomfortable feelings uh, that I feel sometimes in relation to sex, um, you know, which is something that's just really weird to admit, even to myself. Olivia and I um, related on what it was like to grow up in South Africa in a relatively conservative Afrikaans community and how um, we were raised to think about sex, what sex was for us growing up and, and the impact that that's made on us today. Um, and after admitting that it's that I also struggle with this, I will make the claim that I do think a lot of people in South Africa struggle with this. Um, I think uh, a lot of us were raised quite traditionally or conservatively and so sex was either something shameful growing up or it was a type of duty that you were um, said that you will one day have um, or it was a way to project and claim a part of your identity and that you feel culturally you had to do um, you had to claim you had to you know in my case claim a type of masculinity in a certain way and so sex is obviously incredibly complicated um, in in our communities um, but I've never thought about it as a location of healing, as a, as a space where healing can happen. Uh, and that's what Olivia does. She's a tantric mediator. Um, she works with individuals and with couples. Um, and she helps, she helps them um, come into truth, uh, come into the truth of what they want, uh, who they are, um, and to help, I guess, couples accept one another for this truth and to help individuals accept themselves. Um, and it seems like eventually to start enjoying this truth and this expression of, of honesty. Um, I, I'm still not exactly sure what Tantra is, but I feel like, like I'm closer to understanding it, thanks to Olivia. And so I hope you enjoy this conversation. I definitely did. I think I want to start by just saying thank you and for giving us some of your time. It's, um, 
I've been looking at your work, like I said, online, and I think I've understood superficially kind of what you do, but I'm really excited to learn more. Um, I've already learned some things just from engaging with your Instagram content. And as someone who was raised quite conservatively in the Afrikaans community. Relatable. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had many experiences that I still discuss with my psychotherapist um, uh, where anything erotic, uh, anything that where sexual desire was expressed or where sexual curiosity was expressed, these things were just chained and shut down. Um, and that in itself is obviously traumatic. Um, but what I've started to think about now after looking at your work is that I think it's also created a bit of a blind spot mm -hmm. for me. This where I haven't even considered that sexuality and sexual expression and learning to connect to desires with your partner and things like this can be healing. Mm. You know, I've never even, I think because of this kind of way I was raised, mm. it's just so far in the background that I, like, yeah. I, I'm, I, I haven't really even considered that it can be a healing experience yeah. and that it can be a spiritual practice. Um, and so I'm really excited to, to talk to you about it. Um, I think a lot of people can probably relate to that in South Africa. You know, I think mm -hmm. we have various variations of conservative communities yeah. uh, where people grow up with sex either being a type of duty or something that's shameful. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's cross-cultural and I think it's really relevant uh, in this country. Um, Definitely. But I'm curious about how you got here. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're, uh, we're speaking English for the sake of the podcast, uh, but yeah, you're also Afrikaans. Mm -hmm. So how did you get here? How did I get here? Um, <clears throat> so, so I started, I've, I was a lawyer, studied law. Where did you study? At Sunnabosch University. Okay. Um, I was a drama student for one day. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to prove to my parents that they weren't going to tell me what to do, you know. And then I walked in and I was like, oh shit, um, definitely not. This, this is not for me. Mm. Um, studied law, loved it. It's people, it's the study of people and how we have decided to create contracts that help us to live together, mm. to function. Yeah, there's I mean, something beautiful. That's beautiful, right? Yeah. And I love reading, and I felt like the law kids were quite cool and interesting, so I enjoyed it. Um, and then I went to work with my father and my brother in okay. a law firm cool. in Wooster. Keeping it in the family. Keeping it in the family, um, which was exciting because I got to be a trial attorney from like when I was doing my articles. So sure. I was thrown into criminal court, and it was like, there you go. Yeah. Oh. So I saw a lot, you know, um, which to me was beautiful, seeing humanity, you know, it's mm. really All mistakes the we make, the glory, the glory and the fuck-ups, <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, I, I found it to be quite beautiful. 
And then I got, I wanted to do my own thing because my, my father and my brother were quite criminal um, focused and, mm. and civil law. And I was like, I want to do family law. I want to work with relationships and divorce. And um, I remember my father was like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> and at that time, I didn't understand his doubtful question. I totally understand it now. Mm. Um, Why do you think it was? Why was he? It's a, it's a, I mean, it really shows you the, the pit of, mm. I mean, it's, it's like heartbreak. It's like people at their worst, you know. Because you're dealing with divorce. You're dealing with divorce. It's using children to get back at your ex. It's, um, mm. you know, you got cheated on, so you're using money to get back at this. No, no, not everyone, but yeah. this tends to happen. You know, yeah. it's unfairness, it's it's everything. It's like women who are stuck in their role as the housekeeper, um, didn't have a chance to build her career. Now, all of a sudden, 30 years later, she's expected to get a job and raise five children and, 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 and you know. Mm. And same thing, husband got stuck in working, just working. Never got to actually develop his, his emotional skills, you know, and now he all of a sudden has to take care of the children 50% of the time. What the fuck? Yeah. So <laughs> a lot of our problems lie, you know, lie there and, and mm. get to come up. And I was like, very interesting that we decide to give law the job to deal with that. Mm, yeah, because law's hard. It's cold. It's like crass. Yeah. It's cr- I mean, it can be beautiful and yes, Protecting people in justice and Aurora is stunning and it's been essential. It's done yeah, so yeah. many beautiful things. We've got the most beautiful constitution ever. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I still question if it is the this is why this is this is where I'm getting at. This is why I ended up doing what I'm doing now, because I was like, Am I really serving these people? You know, I'm sitting there and yes, we're negotiating this and that, and I'm looking at them and I'm noticing that. Um, we're not really fighting about money here. Mm. We're actually fighting about something else. This is like, this is something that's been coming for years. Mm. This might even be coming from the parents, you know. This is something that, a hurt that maybe this person felt when they were growing up, you yeah. know, an unfairness that they've, that they've been carrying. And now they have finally have a stage to mm. shout mm. this injustice towards someone else. And there's someone that they're paying to fight it for them. Or to make sure that they're fighting with the right, within the right lines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it and can become quite grand, you know, the high court and whatever. Um, and I, so I was looking at that and I was like, shit, um, this, this goes quite deep, you know. Heartbreak brings up a lot. Mm. It brings up a lot of your, it shines a big light on your relational patterns, um, how you see the world, um, how you love, how you, where you are blocking yourself from love, what's important to you, like all of that shit comes up. Mm. And uh, I was like, is, is drafting a contract really, you know, gonna, gonna serve these people? Um, and maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe the woman just needs a good amount of money and she can carry on with her life. I guess it will serve one dimension of her, uh, which is the material, yeah. practical. Yeah. I mean, we need to love. Mm. We need to eat. I get it. Like, mm. you can't just, well, maybe you can. I don't know. <laughs> you can't just live off of um, being fulfilled well. of life, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, so I saw this and got really curious. And I was like, there should be another way. And then I found mediation. I was like, oh, wow, law has an 
aspect where they are really trying to bring in a more human side to how to deal with this, you know, to really okay. uh, not take it into the right or wrong court battle, you know. Who's is this pre-court? Is this mediation like supposed to, to be? Okay. But you can do it any time. You can do it. You can in you know you can be halfway in a trial and you can decide to mediate. But okay. essentially, essentially, you wanted to do it. You want to do it pre-court. And what's really beautiful in our country is. Um, if any matter concerning a child, it's mandatory to try mediate. and mediate yes. before you. Yes, you have oh, to. that's great. So it's beautiful, yeah. that, which which I really like. So did mediation, and it's really great. You know, lots of people skills, learning to actually fucking listen to people and not just try and push them into mm. what's best for them legally. You know, because sometimes what you think is best is not what is best for the people. Maybe if they have a ridiculous plan and it works. Yeah. Um, Maybe yeah. the kids need to go to the OMA, you know, I don't know, or mm. it could be bizarre. And I think South Africa is such a good example of like a mixed match of people diversity, and cultures yeah. and diversity that yeah. it's, it's not the normal mom, dad, that's the family situation. Anyway, so found mediation and that sort of bit me. I was like, oh, he's... Yeah. <laughs> this is interesting, cool. you know, yeah. people, emotions, triggers, and and uh, I wanted more. Um, so then I studied NVC, which is nonviolent communication. Okay. Fabulous. Look it up. Marshall Rosenberg made it up. I've heard <laughs> about inventor, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, a psychologist, and this was basically his. Um, what do you call a quest in life? He, yeah, yeah. he studied psychology, and he was like, "This isn't helping me." Um, you know, and he saw the pain of people and he got really curious about, he looked at actually like violence in certain countries and why do certain people, why is it easier for certain groups of people to not result to violence or mm. to like... How did they overcome... Yeah, conflict uh, and conflict disagreements and, and he was looking at that and out of that he created nonviolent communication. And is nonviolent communication a philosophy and a kind of toolkit like. <laughs> I love that. I love that question because he, they, the people who work with NVC call it a consciousness, oh, a consciousness. That's, okay, cool. Which Makes is a bit like, cool. Okay. Um, but I totally agree with them because NVC, you can't really apply it like a ten-step process mm, and yeah. then it's going to work, you know? Because then you're just a robot that's learned a new language. And the mm. whole thing about NVC is learning to, um, I mean sorry for the fluffy words, but it's learning to connect to the heart. Mm. So instead of fighting with your mind, it's trying to win the argument yeah. and be defensive. Your ego. Your yeah. ego. It's teaching you to go, okay, what are you actually feeling right now? Can you connect to what the other person is feeling? And then learning how to communicate from that space. Sure. So you can't really robot that, you know, yeah, in yeah. steps. So that's why they call it a... But it is... There are steps. There, okay. are, there are like four steps. Yeah, but I guess... Um, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, me. it's more of a... A space that you're in. Yeah. Right? It's an understanding of relating. It's yeah. like how you choose to relate to life and to the world. Sure. Um, peace, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so much there. I mean, even just for Helen, who I spoke to previously, there was... Whenever we spoke about reconciliation, which is, a, I think in a way what mediation tries to help if there was violence or if there was abuse or if yeah. there was real trauma. Yeah. He also spoke about you need to go into your gut. Yeah. You need to go into your heart. Yeah. You can't head this. You can't be heady about it. Yeah. So it makes sense to me. Yeah. And it's hard because 
we don't have a lot of training of dropping into the heart. No. You know, most of it, we're very trained in the mind, which is great. We're very evolved there. But it's like kind of a lot of stop, people stop yeah. here. Then you've got people that maybe were lucky enough to get some heart training. I don't know, maybe even religion helped them a little bit. Maybe. Or maybe they had really empathetic parents. And, mm. and they go to here. Okay. Then we're still missing. There's, still, another, there's another one. There's another what? one. <laughs> so this that's, is, that's where my private parts are. What do you mean? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so NBC got me really, I was like, whoa, you can, feelings, needs, requests, yeah. wow. Because, I mean, coming from law, that must have been like you've spent how many years? I mean, law must, and it takes a long time yeah. to become. Yeah. It's, it's essentially. Uh, Growing the head muscle, growing yes. the brain muscle. Yes. So, yeah, must have been a, a relief. Yeah, it was a relief. I think that's why I was so hungry for it. That's why I went on such a like, I have to find something like that, <laughs> you know, like a crazy person. Yeah, yeah. Um, and parallel to that, I was uh, studying to become a yoga teacher. Oh, cool. So, nice. so while I was studying NVC and mediation, I was like, oh, the body, mm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I was getting into the body and breath work, and I was like, okay, so it's not just all oh, here. The body actually stores a lot of the shit mm. and affects how we are and how we handle stress and how we deal with conflict. Mm. It's not just the mind. Is this still in Worcester? This is still, still in Worcester. Still yeah. in Worcester. I was driving through to Woodstock three times a week to do my yoga teacher really? training. Really? Is there no yoga teacher? There is in no Worcester? yoga. <laughs> there was a yoga teacher, but you there was no yoga school that okay. does a teacher training. Okay. Anyway, so I'm into yoga. I'm learning nonviolent communication, and you know, nonviolent communication is actually a really huge spiritual practice because it, because it teaches you to drop into the heart. It teaches yeah. you to be with your feelings. It teaches you to really go in and, and find out who you are and what your needs are instead of going, this one is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, maybe, yeah, maybe that was one of the big things that started mm-hmm. really making me start to question, like, yeah, wow, how do I see relationships and how I've been acting and... And it's always like this. I, I try to l- learn NVC to better my work as a mediator, but it became a personal practice. You mm-hmm. know, I was like, holy, like applying it to myself. And I was like, holy fuck, I've been communicating like a, a complete doers. And, yeah, and um, relate to that. yeah, I've been triggered. And then I, and then I got hooked on triggers because I was like, this is where the gold is at. Okay. Um, because, I, I mean, I got, I got so obsessed with it because you can see when people are negotiating about something, one gets triggered, the whole thing gets thrown. Mm. And they can get triggered by the smallest things, you mm. know, and I found that super interesting. When you work with people in relationships? Yes. Okay. Yes. Right, because when the one gets triggered, then it sets it's like, off. Poof, 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 yeah. You know, because the one, if they're in relationship, the one's trigger is probably hooked to the other one's yeah. trigger. You know? And the other one might even be triggering. Uh, yes, and, and because you know where to go, where to yeah, press the button, yeah, subconsciously. Yeah, totally. Subconsciously, yeah. Yes. everyone is a doer, so yes. <laughs> we are. <laughs> but yeah, so that really got me going because I could even start noticing that when people get triggered, their body language changes. Mm. Um, I tense up. Mm. And I even go to what I more recently noticed is that... Um, so, so how I see triggers, maybe let's start there. How I see triggers is that, so from small, from when, no, from when we are born, 
the training of how to be human starts. Mm. This is how you are a good human being. You yeah. do this, you do this, you do this. And obviously we are actually these free beings that have all these crazy desires and thoughts and we're really, really creative. Um, but it's like, mm. like this, like this, mm. you know? Um, and then things, and then added to that life fucking happens. You yeah. know, like, and then trauma and not, and just doesn't even have to be big trauma. It's just, I feel like this and parents, school and religion tells you, nope. And the people who are doing this to you are dealing with their own yes. trauma from... And they're doing it out of care before, because they're like, they you need to be a good human to live. Mm. You know, it's all out of care. Such they don't know. Shit show. It's a fucking shit show. But anyway, so we have all these feelings. And because of all this human training, we put shame on top of feelings, right? And um, so that's one of the things. And then there's also the fact that maybe your nervous system is not even capable of processing a certain emotion, you know? Hectic shit happened to people, especially in this country. You're five years old. How do you process terror in the body of a five-year-old child? Like, how? Mm. You know, mm. and as and the interesting thing is, Gabor Mate says it's not actually about the thing that happened to you; it's about what happened to you after the thing happened yeah. to you. Because that's it. Like, did yeah. you have space to process the thing that happened to you? Could it move mm. through your body? Yeah, and our parents were so. I mean, I, maybe not yours and mine on the same. I think. I mean, <laughs> there, there, there is relatability yeah, among yeah, the Afrikaans yeah. uh, yeah. community of that generation. Like they must have been so fucking busy and so confused because um, yeah. they really dealt with the most change, I think, than any mm. most generations and communities that I know of. Mm. Um, and they were so stuck in their ways yeah. of how things should be done that, uh, like, my parents didn't understand when I was traumatized. Mm. Like, all the things, like, they didn't think it was yeah. trauma. Yeah. And not because they're yeah. blind or because they're uncaring, just because... Yeah. The concept of trauma wasn't really there for them yet. Um, the fact that small things can have a big influence on sensitive people wasn't really a thing. The fact that you're a, I'm a boy means that nothing's going to fucking penetrate this man who anyway. It doesn't matter that I'm three years old. Yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah. I think, yeah. 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 So all of that stuff um, makes us believe that our feelings are not okay to feel. So we suppress them. Because, you know, many reasons. So we put them somewhere. But unfortunately, it's like us thinking we can throw away garbage and then it just disappears. <laughs> but it stays on the earth, you know? It's on an island somewhere. You know, somewhere <laughs> this recycled thing is going to end up. That's exactly what, how I think it works. What it's a, nice, it's to, a very nice metaphor, actually. Yeah, that's, and that, that, so that stuff sits somewhere. You know, because how I understand it, using metaphors or whatever, my language, how I understand it is that, like, life is just it's just flowing through you, you know. Everything is energy. That mm -hmm. sounds so hippie, but, you know, no, it is. And, a, yeah. and it, you can't, you know, if you do this, then, it's, then it stays there. Yeah. You know, if you're, gonna do the, if you're not going to do this, it, it, it can't go. So this thing is waiting to flow. It's like it wants to move, it wants to finish, yeah. it wants to complete so yeah. that you can have that experience and it can be done. So now your subconscious mind is so smart that it goes and looks for places and opportunities to finish that emotion. Okay. So 
it's almost like it's a mine, a landmine that's trapped in your body and it's waiting for someone to step on it so that it can explode and that you can Oh, I see. It's on. looking for opportunities it's looking. to express itself. It actually itself. wants to express. Uh, it, wants to, it wants you to feel terror, abandonment, sadness as a part of your human experience and sure. not as something that I want to experience everything except this thing. Mm. You know? Part of your emotional repertoire. Yes. Because it is. Right? Yeah, yeah. So then <laughs> triggers are... Oh, sorry. No, <laughs> I didn't really push No, you're hitting a nerve. <laughs> you're hitting a nerve because I've... I've uh, only recently, like I was talking to my therapist and he was saying... I was saying... I've been, I've been having these wild dreams when I go to sleep at my mom's house, which is the house I grew up in, uh -huh. in the room that I grew up in, where a lot of the trauma happened. And having these really wild dreams and one of the uh, things that I've been trying to do there's this breath exercise where when you're aware that you're feeling a feeling that you're uncomfortable with um, you breathe in acceptance mm -hmm. so you accept that the feeling is there and when you breathe out you inflate space around it around the feeling to loosen it up and to give it space in you. Mm -hmm. So I think about it as like I'm pressing yeah. this feeling all the time in yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this breathwork really resonated with yeah. me. And I did that one night when I was struggling to sleep and having these crazy dreams. And I suddenly just felt so sad. Ah. Just like the ah. deepest pain and loneliness um, mm. and fear. Mm. And when I was speaking to my therapist about it, he said something about, like he was talking about that Simon and Garfunkel song, Hello, Darkness, My <laughs> Old Friend. And he was speaking about fear as an old friend. And I couldn't immediately understand yeah. how fear would have been a friend to mm -hmm. me in that moment. But then I realized later on that being mm -hmm. anxious all the time, which I am, means that I'm protecting myself from being vulnerable to feeling the terror that I felt back then. And in that way, fear is a friend of mine, yeah. old friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, so that just kind of sparked up when you were talking about this, because yeah. it's, it's, I'm protecting myself from feeling something because I was so open when I felt it that it, was, it hurt so much. Yeah. So I don't want to be that open again. Yeah, you've learned no, no. Yeah. That emotion. That emotion is a no-no. Yeah. So this idea yeah. of like something yeah. uh, getting stored and getting pressured mm. and then exploding as a trigger, I can yeah. just really resonate. Yeah. So what happens is my experience. What happens is that, as I said, life sort of is going to bang on you. It's going to knock, you know, mm. until it. And um, what I found is, if it's a big emotion, it usually needs a lot of energy to release. Because you, your mind has built a very clever yeah. mechanism for you to not go and feel that feeling. Yeah. Your mind is really rad. <laughs> <laughs> it's really rad. So it's built like, it's like, nope, we yeah, won't yeah. feel that. Like, I will feel never feel abandoned. I will run yeah. away from every fucking relationship that even comes close to making me feel vulnerable so that the opportunity to be abandoned will never exist in my yeah. lifetime. You know, it's like so fucking smart but it will label it as no one is good enough for you or you aren't good you know it will give you mm. such a nice story so that you can hold on to that defense mm. mechanism 
So what I was saying about triggers, so, you know, I can talk about this forever. So I started seeing this in, in conflict. And I was like, wow, like, um, that thing comes up and it's like... And you're the mediator, so yes. you're sort of relatively objective in yeah. that moment. Yeah, and, so I can't go now into that person's whole life story, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, but I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is why I ended up sitting here on a, on a, on a mattress rather than in an office because we've probably been locked up. <laughs> no, what I'm doing now. Lost your license. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because I was like, you know, triggers sit in the body. It's very hard sometimes. You can work it through the mind. It is possible. Hey. But fighting the mind with the mind, oh, the mind is so smart. You know, it's, mm. it's very hard. An easier way is to work through the body, I found, for me. Mm. Um, because the body is here now. It's not as the mind working on that old system, you mm. know. Even though it has the stuckness, you can, you can, this is what um, body work and tantra has taught me, is that you can use the body to help to relax the mind. Mm. And one of my teachers said, don't fight the ego, give it a cigar and put it in a hot tub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it will stop going crazy, you know. Oh, that's and that's beautiful. the thing, that's why you use breath. So the mind is going, oh my God, I need to protect myself. And you're going, oh. And the mind hears that yeah. and it goes, are we relaxing? Yeah, what's happening? <laughs> what's happening? I thought we were panicking. You know? yeah, and you're yeah. like, that's so, I mean, very recent uh, for me to realize that uh, the body can also influence the mind. Mm. Uh, whereas, you know, I, I always just thought the mind influences the body in sometimes like tyrannical ways, like uh, oppressive ways. Yeah. Um, only recently, I mean, recently as in like 10 years, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> 34 years old, yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. Um, th- that I realized that. I can do things with my body that will have a positive influence on my mind. Yeah. And that changed everything. Because yeah. Yeah. Yeah, then you're more in control. Yeah. So, so my, the teachings that I follow says that the mind is in every single cell of your body. Like mind and body aren't actually like... Mind yes, no, of course. Body. It's, yeah. like, it's like... But the experience of mind. Yes, yes. And, and the way we, I was raised uh, was like the dualistic Western way yeah. of thinking is that... These are separate things. Yes, you've got the mind and you've got the body. I think, therefore, I am a bullshit, uh, you know. And it takes, you know, it was, what, 18 years of that conditioning. So it's taking a long time for me to realize that my body is an integrated system. And um, I've got more neurons in my gut than I do in my brain. And, you know, like things All like these the, fab things that science is uh, that they didn't teach us in Skynet in biology in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so um, I mean, I can continue talking about dreams. So, you're in Brewster, you're doing yoga. I'm doing yoga. Woodstock, which is a ridiculous drive for people who don't know. That's an hour and a half at least through a tunnel. Devoted, yeah. The toll gate that you have to pay for to get through every time you're learning yoga. <laughs> okay. Fuck you and going yeah. for it, great. And, um, and you're doing mediation doing and mediation. you're learning about nonviolent communication. Yes, and I'm, I was also, I was also like, I thought I was going to become a chef, so I'd like a falafel stay. <laughs> 
Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so you can make good falafels. Yes, yes. And then, so I, I started having this feeling like, I don't think this life is for me. Like, something just feels not like me. You know, it's too rigid. It doesn't feel like there's space for growth in the way that I would want to grow. You know, obviously there's space. You can become manager. <laughs> and I, I think yeah. I saw it and I was like, okay, so what's the top of this route that I'm following? A lot of money. Oh. You know, oh. shit. And yeah. I'm just working my ass off to get a little bit of holiday every year. Yeah. And I'm depressed and I'm tired and I'm not really doing what feels good for my body. And I was like, holy, that's, I got a bit of a, and what then? You know, lawyers don't have a lot of options. Like you study law to become a lawyer. Mm. It's not like a BCom or BA where you can sort of, yeah, do different things. Do different things, yeah. you know. Anyway, so um, I was like, okay, well, just follow where the desire is, which is I'm loving this thing about human connection and triggers in the body and conflict and how to, like, this is making me, it's like I'm mm. almost drunk in this, you know. Mm. So I'm like, just keep on this path. And I'm on this path and I'm on this path and I'm just going deeper, studying more yoga, studying more about the body and then, I ended up at, I don't know, some festival, some spiritual festival. <laughs> so many now, I can't remember. <laughs> and I, by chance, went to um, one of my teach, current teachers, uh, one of her meditations, tan okay. Tantra. I don't even know what Tantra was. Yeah. It was Tantra. Mm. Um, something sex. You yeah, know? That's something like what people, with, something with sex. Like when you have sex with your mind or yeah, something? Yeah, it's like hours <laughs> of sex. What is that? Um, and I was like, cool, let's check it out. Um, so I go to that, and it's a meditate, it was a meditation that we did called the Tandava. And so remember, now I've been practicing yoga for a couple of years, so I'm like super into like using the body to meditate the mind, you know, I'm like, mm. this is where I want to go. I'm trying hard to meditate, like trying to be good at meditation. Mm. And I go into this class, and um, I think I actually experienced meditating for the first time really, really. Mm. i think before i was just trying so hard to do it i was trying to do it with my mind and um, i was blown away nice. i was like shit this, mm. is, this is where it's at you know this like a real experience like, like feeling I and mean, people people who've taken psychedelics LSD, psychedelics yeah. you know everyone talk, maybe even people in the church who've have them really into religion. I've had this experience of feeling everythingness or oneness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what else do you call it? Yeah. You know? um, yeah, just feeling like the perfection of everything, even mm. though it's so fucked up. It's mm. like wow, mm. you know, yeah. marveling at it, like yeah. wow, like that. And I felt that from meditation, mm. you know. And I was like, shit, okay, this is something. Um, <clears throat> So that got me hooked. Who was she? Valentina Leo. Ah, uh, yeah, I've seen her on the yeah. website. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, and then I met Tundra. That's how I met Tundra. That's how I met Tundra. Cool. And I was just super curious and super, I think I have a personality where I go into something. When it hooks me, I'm like, yeah, I think no. So I just started learning more, going to more workshops, and I dove in head first because it was like, it felt like uh, everything I've been doing uh, sort of prepared me for this. Mm. And also, was that? 
you know, because I call NVC the tantra of language, because mm. it is, you know. Okay. For me, that's how, how, how it feels to me. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's like you were preparing for this thing that you don't know you were preparing for. <laughs> I didn't even know it existed. And then it came, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah that's a big... Yeah, and then I was like, oh, we've been doing the mind, when I studied the heart, and now it's time for sex. Okay, yeah, worked your way down. Yeah, worked my way down. <laughs> went like this <laughs> and um, yeah and I was like wow okay so now to work with sexuality and it, it definitely just started as my own journey I wasn't I didn't go into it thinking I'm gonna do this for a living or even like I, it was yeah. purely for me you know yeah, I was yeah. like me I, I'm feeling a lot and this is helping me navigate how to feel this you know yeah. and so I went into that and went in fully and now it's a couple of years later and I'm working with my teacher mm. and I'm now a weirdo sitting on the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> went fully fast. into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, doing this full time and loving it. What was your... Um what was your spiritual journey? Like, mm -hmm. so were you also raised in the Inger Kerk mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I was? Um, mm -hmm. And did you leave it? Are you still part of the Inger Kerk? <laughs> what was that vibe like? Um, my parents are hippies. Okay. So. Um, lucky you. Yeah, lucky me. <laughs> lucky me. Hippie so, lawyers. Hippie lawyers. Uh, artists like, and a hippie lawyer. Yeah, it's your brood and all the kind of I know. Because they lucky. were hippies, but they could take care of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they, I think they hid the hippiness from me when I was younger. Okay. Um, very strict. Like growing up, like you've got to achieve academically. And I think that they really understood. Um, the effect of apartheid on our country. So they were like, you know, if you're going to have privilege, you got to fucking, you know, you got to give back wow. to the country. You got to work hard. Yeah. Don't just get shit on a silver platter. You know, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. So they really pushed that story um, big time. Sure. Um, yeah. And my dad, I think being a feminist, so he's very much like, you know, you're a woman, you gotta, you know, you got to make sure that you've got to get a good job, you've got to be on top, which is sweet. It's but, amazing. But it's also, you know, pushing me uh, into an idea of who I need uh, to be okay. instead of just being with who I am, you know. Yeah. So was he, a, sorry, it's completely tangent, uh, yeah. but like, was he a feminist uh, uh, when you were growing up? He, yes, he identified always with... had, always talking about uh. like, you know, female empowerment mm. and this and that and um, more so than my mother oh, I think okay. because she still she was grew up on a farm so she's always like when my dad's just like oh, <laughs> you know it's like get over it so she's more like you know how Buddha people are very much here right now yeah. not all of them but it's that connection to the earth makes them like we're talking about all this theories mm. um Anyway, so even though they were quite liberal, uh, they took us to church, but sort of as like, okay, we should probably show the children the church, you know, <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah. to do. People are going to look weird yes, at us they're Sunday, us, we have so to go. just take yeah. them there. And um, so it took us sort of to churches to show us the building. And <laughs> as more of a social, you know, this is what you do, this community, singing, whatever. Yeah. My mom claims to be. 
a serious Christian, but okay. I haven't seen it in <laughs> many, many years. I guess, but she prays for us. She yeah, sings all the time. I, I guess there are different uh, ex- types of Christians. Yeah, we expressions, can expressions of Christianity. Yeah. Let's say that. And also, I imagine growing up in a small community like Wooster. Uh, in the Afrikaans community, going to church is a part of just... It's uh, like the everyday, it's like your life. In the community. Exactly. It's like what you do on a Sunday, you know. So then I go to church and then I kind of get quite obsessed. Okay. And then they were like shouting. No, they were literally, they were like making fun of me. Uh, Um, I got super obsessed with the church and I don't regret any of it. Like, you know... I felt like it was the only place where you can almost believe in magic, if you can call it that, also something that you can't see. That's um, such a cool way to think about it. I've never thought about right? that. Even though it's a religion and it's strict, you know, yeah. growing up it was the only magical thing. It's like magic. Yeah. It's mystic. There's a part, even in the strict Enkekak, there is mysticism. Yeah, you know, it's mean, like this. Uh, miracles and you can focus on your desires and you can proclaim it to a a being and and you can can, can pray and you can talk to people about it and there's a community that you can share it with I mean I love that shit and people accept that you're weird like that yes and you can sing and I love to sing (laughs) and I'm like you know I'm really in it and it's and and the church is also doing a lot of community work, you know. And yeah. I like I love that. So yeah. Yeah. I did the whole thing. I went for missionary work in Mozambique. I was there building churches. Sure. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. But yeah, I went in deep. Um, when you the, were like super young, no, or like teens, like, teens, yeah. like 15, 14, mm. around about that age. My mom was like. And then I think, yeah, I think I just went through a phase where I think I got the whole, um, like, fighting for people's rights from my father. Mm. And I was like, hold up, hold up. So you guys are saying my Muslim friends are not going to heaven, you know, and are we not accepting the gays? I don't understand. Like, yeah, I was like, this like, doesn't make any sense to me. I thought this was love. based on love. <laughs> and also always, I'm like, okay, so we're all created in the image of God, but some are created more in the image of God. Yeah, if you're other. white, you're more you like God. You are more, you know, and yeah. I was like, this shit is not adding up. And, and even the, back then, I mean, I was very conservative sexually um, uh, growing up. Well, you know, because of the whole thing, you're a slut, and mm-hmm. if you're a in the church, and mm. I mean, I probably got shamed most by kirtanis, you know, you yeah. wear tight pants, and then like, Dr. Key? Yeah. No, 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 you know, yeah, don't yeah, want to yeah. be perceived as sexy, that's the devil's stuff, it's you too know? provocative. Too provocative, you know, like mm. 12, wearing a tight jean, and mm. some tiny is telling you provocative, you know? <laughs> Anyway, so that stuff, like also the sex thing, I was like, I don't get it. So your body naturally feels like all these things and it's wrong. It's bad, yeah. And it's bad. Mm. And I'm, and it, I just, like it didn't sit well with me. You know, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. So, and then also the Enchikark, we, I mean, we spoke a bit about this, the influence it had in apartheid. Yeah. And it was like, how can you... It just doesn't, it just doesn't, just doesn't come together. Mm. And I was like, okay, cheerio, guys. It was great. But 
doesn't make sense to me anymore. So what, like late teens, you just... I would say late teens and going, I think Stellenbosch University mm. was a big ch- shocker to me, to mm. be honest. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah there's, uh, there's a lot of... Uh, I don't want to... I mean, I'm not against Christianity. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's beautiful to believe in love and mm. to want to commune around that idea. I mean, mm. I think that's fabulous. I also think some of Jesus' teachings are really beautiful. Mm. Um, um, and I do see Christianity, as I said, as an in, an into the heart, an mm. into mysticism, an into believing into something that I can't see. Yeah. Um, yeah, like uh, early on in life, it gives us the capacity to feel beyond our senses. Yeah. Yeah, which I guess some people maybe raised uh, atheist wouldn't. I don't know. I'm just saying that's what I felt. Yeah, you know? I wonder. Yeah. It's the first time I really think about yeah. that. Yeah. And I don't know if it's maybe because I was really creative and I loved thinking of stories, so it gave me a way to really believe in a yeah. story, yeah. <laughs> which is great. It's a big story. It's a nice exercise for the mind, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, isn't that guy who wrote Sapiens said that's basically what made, uh, like the Homer sapiens like art survive the other species in the neanderthal because we have the capacity to collectively believe in a story mm. more than any other mm. animal or mammal because it unifies us yeah Sto- so can we, we will fight for our yeah. story I mean, stop da- wars that's the danger of a story that's the danger is that yeah. it unified communities within themselves yes but it created conflict between communities because my story and your story it's is not and you, it's my story is right and your yeah. story is wrong and in my story you're the villain your story i'm the villain and then that's a whole fucking history of <laughs> humanity <laughs> yeah. But I think it's beautiful. I mean, I, storytelling is what I do. I think it's one of the most yeah. powerful things. Yeah. If you don't solidify in your story, it can be yeah. really lovely. And I think if you aren't aware of the stories that you have, which is maybe something we can speak more about in your work, like yes. then your stories start controlling you, yes. I guess. 100% um, <laughs> Which is basically what we're doing. Like we're just living out our stories, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, that's what I love about Tantra. It says you are... You are. I mean, it sounds very self-centerish, but it says you are the same. You are everything. You are God. You are the center of the universe, and you're just expressing. You just, okay. you just consciousness expressing as form. So is that kind of the core of, of tantra, or shouldn't we speak about the core of tantra? I wouldn't. I don't think we should speak. I don't. Uh, first of all, I wouldn't put myself out as. In, so you get academic. People can get really academic about okay. Tantra, same as they do about Christianity and theology. I don't identify as an okay. academic. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people that do, that really take a lot of their time to study the texts, um, devote themselves to know. Mm. I'm not one of those people. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I read them, I do use them to understand, but I'm not, you know, I'm not an mm. academic yeah, in that yeah. field. I don't want to portray myself to be. So I wouldn't want to go out and say what the core of Tantra the is. The foundation. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. But it's one of the principles. It's one, yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah, it's, there's, there's no other than you. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that's the, many different spiritual systems think that, right? Like pantheism, yeah. um, uh, Sufism, like a lot of... So Sufism and, and Tantra is very, uh, it's, it's not the same, it's not obviously not the same thing, but they informed each other. Like if you look at the history of it at the time of where it started, uh, Islam, the time when Islam came into India, there was a lot of doing this to each other. So, yeah, the mystic, the mysticism part of it sort of has a lot of similarities in it. 
Cool. Yeah. Like God being the beloved. Okay. You know, like the love affair with reality oh. and using using that, you know, the using poetry and art to understand the meaning of life rather than trying to do it through the mind. Mm. Because how can you grasp it with the mind? No, you can't, so we fucking write poetry. Because <laughs> how else, you know? Poetry don't make sense. Life doesn't make sense. <laughs> Let's just... Oh, my God, I don't understand. I'm just going to talk about what this makes me feel like. Yeah, you know? art, I get it. Yeah, so usually the tantrics are artists okay. and poets and musicians because it's the people that... It's probably why it resonated with you so strongly, your creative yeah. kind of... Self. Yeah, mom being an artist, growing yeah. up with a house full of paintings. Yeah. Like, oh. yeah. yeah. Much more creative than churchianity. <laughs> yeah, a bit mm. tight on the kerk bunker and uncomfortable. Okay. Yeah. So you found your way out of churchianity into. Yeah, into more Tantra, like. Into. Yeah, then I went to yoga. And through that, I think I like this idea of, um, you know, you learn about chakras and energy, and which I wouldn't say is religion at all. It's just, it's a science, actually. Yeah. It's understanding the subtle body. Mm. You know, it's understanding what's happening energetically, um, which science is actually proving a lot of that stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> Where the Vedas is catching up. So I wouldn't call that. I wouldn't call that religion. Mm. I would just actually call that science. I mm. mean, some of the tantric texts are so, it's so heady. It feels like a science. It's a mm. mind science to understand it. Um, so, yeah, I went down that line. And so you get all these types of yogas, devotion yoga, bhakti yoga. Mm. Like You get actually the mind yoga. Um, when I was doing the, uh, the physical part of it, like understanding life through the body and... Yeah, I kind of, that kind of led me to Tantra, mm. I mean, which is not you, a religion. Then you met... Uh, Valentina. Valentina, yeah. yeah. And through that, yeah, my mind has also changed a lot about things, and I think that's also what I love about it, because it's there's no Ten Commandments. Mm. <laughs> this is how it is. It's like, mm. you are reality, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um, Which is another thing science is catching up on. Um, yeah, there's more nothingness than there is somethingness in mm, every single cell in our body. And you know, we're all just blurring into each other in ways we can't see. You know? Yeah. So I think I want to speak a little bit more about shame. Mm. Um, because I, uh, like I said in the little intro, I think obviously impacted me quite a lot, but I think it impacts a lot of people. Um, yeah. I'm curious if, it, if you do find it in your work. A if, lot. If shame plays a big part. In Huge. Huge. I mean, if I... So Tantra, how I understand Tantra, what it's been for me, is a tool for liberation. Okay. That's what it's been. Okay. It's like, it's like how... T- it, it literally gives you tools to teach you how to relax into who you really are. Mm. What does that even mean? Who am I? You know, like yeah. you can, that is a question you can meditate on for the rest of your life. Yeah. many lives. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, not just this one, you can sit on this for years. Um, so it gives you tools to drop into that. And what I love about the practices that I've learned as opposed to other spiritual practices, that it becomes less a doing, like I'm going to 
up level and mm-hmm. you know do spirituality it's like no relax <laughs> it's about relaxing okay. it's about letting go it's about um yeah it's about using the body to become soft dropping the tension not by doing something but by relaxing i mean that in itself is hard right <laughs> i mean for um, i'll just speak for myself and maybe yeah. for men like me but like the idea of doing something without doing something yeah I, and, and just on a side note that I, i know that i work a lot with men on on sexuality and i think one of the biggest male wounds are having the feeling of that i'm loved for what i do and not for who i am mm. you know you got to do you got to have a job you got to bring in the money you got to prove something you got to do something in order to be desired and loved that's big sure yeah <laughs> Yeah. I can imagine even for generations before I see no, even it's... more. Because I mean our generation maybe my subculture of <laughs> Afrikaans that are trying to rebel against everything people like a big part of the rebellion was to not be productive. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so to you know fuck school, yeah. fuck grades, fuck yeah. all this yeah. stuff. I'm going to smoke weed and play music all yeah. day or whatever and that that was a form of rebellion yeah. but um like as I, i said before we started recording there was nothing was like i put in its place so post rebellion in my early 30s i realized i'm still fucking i'm still rebelling I'm, no i'm still sitting in front of the computer when i don't have any work to do oh, just to look like i'm doing work oh shit yeah i'm still uh getting putting something on to sit in front of the computer when i work from home wow. so that i can feel more productive wow it's i freelance uh, it's wednesday i don't really have to do anything right now because i'm in control of all the deadlines i'm going to the beach but it's not 5 pm yet so it feels a bit weird to do that wow. and then i was like fuck i've rebelled for 10 years so but i these things are so ingrained It's still um, controlling you. Yeah. It's crazy how shame does this. Um yeah, it, I mean, I'm not I'm no I'm no master on shame, you know. Talk Brené Brown is this the woman to speak to on this topic. <laughs> I, I don't know if you can get her. I tried WhatsApp again, but but yeah, out of personal experience and out of working with clients is I like to call it yacht yeah, human training, you know. It's it's how you were taught to to be and what was told to you. is not okay. Yeah. yeah, and sexuality is like such a big area, such a big no no. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like especially in South Africa. I know other countries and maybe outside of Afrikaans, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I my experience in working with a lot of people from different backgrounds that it's a general it's a mm. general thing in South Africa. Mm. Um it's this thing you're allowed to do when you get married. Mm. Um but we're not going to fucking tell you how to do it and we're not going to tell you what's going to happen <laughs> yeah. and we're not going to actually tell you anything about it yeah. it's the secret fucking thing that's going to be kept there mm. and then you're going to all of a sudden just need to know how it happens that's which, so true like they didn't really teach us in life orientation no what a put on a gun you know like beyond yeah a, a sexual um STDs. STDs, which was i think used mostly to even create a little bit more fear around Definitely. sex Definitely. Not necessarily shame, but fear. Yeah. 
and then maybe how to put on a condom. Also shame, because if you're going to be one of the people having oh, sex, you you're going to get an STD. And if you have an STD, then you're, you're a bad dirty person. Dirty, and you're yeah. a bad person. You know, mm. only bad people get get that. So all that stuff, like we're being trained, as you see, from a very young age, mm. fear, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. Um, and for some reason, we think we can cut ourselves off sexually and that won't do anything to us. Oh, you mean it won't have an impact? It won't have an impact, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, we'll just remove the sexual we'll dimension. We'll just remove this, you know? Yeah. And it's like, unfortunately, well, I, fortunately, um, your sexuality is like, has a lot to do with your freedom mm. and with your, your desire and your passion and your power. Mm. Um, I mean, Esperal says this. She says people who are sexually free can't be controlled mm. because they're not being shamed. <laughs> they don't have that feeling of wow. shame. They're free. I haven't thought about it as a way of controlling it. That's so true. <laughs> and then, obviously, through things like sexual abuse and, yeah. and sex and rape and things like that, like that is then a way of completely controlling yeah. to the point where you're almost removing the person. Yeah. yeah. Agency completely. Yeah. Yeah. So sex is this really powerful thing that we were just taught to almost yeah. uh, ignore. It's demonized, yeah. it's made wrong, and it's not celebrated. And which is crazy because we come from sex. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> comes from sex. We literally come from that. And I look at society and, I, and I'm like, ridiculous because it's almost like everything is built around sex you know everything is built around getting the clothes to get the car to get the house so you can get the woman um but we can't talk about sex mm. you know mm. you know everything is is around that how to look better how to have better skin you know everyone's wearing the makeup and doing this and it's all to to get the person so that we can have the sex but yeah and always to feel sexy but why? Yeah. So that you can have the sex. <laughs> why do you want to feel sexy? <laughs> and and, and I, I think I was really shocked by this um, because when you, I mean, I don't know if everyone out there has experienced a sexual encounter where it, it does feel like a meeting with everythingness. Mm. I don't know. Sure. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to, and I'm not like there's this thing to attain sexually. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, having a sexual experience with a sexual experience is like the experience with psychedelics or like the experience you had in with meditation yes. with Valentina. Yeah. Um, but that's, okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, everyone can at least relate to when they've orgasmed, even for a second, mm. you felt, you didn't think of anything. Mm. You didn't think of your shopping list, you, and you felt... A pure bliss, a pure, pure bliss. You, know, yeah. you were, you didn't know if it was you, whose body was whose mm. body, who was inside of who. Mm. You weren't thinking of like, oh, here is my heart, okay. You know, you yeah. didn't think of any of that. You yeah. were just everything. You were you and not you in that moment. I guess it is a type of letting go in that moment, whether you are conscious, when well, you're not that. consciously doing it, definitely not consciously doing it, but it is a letting go. Because, yeah. I mean, you forget, I forget momentarily about everything. Yeah. 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 So it's, I mean, that's what I find so beautiful about it. Because mm. as humans, this is where we have, I almost want to say, a test of God. <laughs> it's, like, it's like this is where you, you have access. Mm. And you don't need to use a substance. Mm. You only need you. 
You don't need to use anything outside of yourself, mm. but you get to experience this thing. So it's even more crazy that it was shamed, right? Because it is the spirit. It's the spiritual experience. It's so in beautiful. It's it's this thing that we. I mean, I think about it. Think of all the things we need to get pleasure. You know, we eat. We do this. We wear clothes. We. It's like everything we need to attain something. Where. I, when I think of sex, it's like, I don't need anything. Mm. Sometimes you don't even need someone else, yeah. you know? It's yeah. like to connect to that, what do we call it, eroticism, sexual energy, aliveness, yeah. life force, mm. you know, that feeling of, fuck, I'm so alive, it was so good to be in a human body, you know? Mm. That feeling is, you can have it now. Mm. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's go, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's what's, that's what's really so beautiful for it for me because it doesn't matter what amount of money you have, it doesn't matter how you grew up, it doesn't mm. matter. Yes, of course, those things are going to influence how you think about it and yeah. the suppression, but it's I yours. I guess, oddly enough, that experience that we're talking about now, that like positive version of this, yes. I guess not everyone has had, that. Has had it. Mm. And, and I know for women, the, there are a lot of things that I don't want to act like I understand at all, but around like maybe not having orgasms yeah. or, yeah. but I think even for men, maybe, I mean, obviously it's a little bit easier for us to have orgasms, I guess, in general. Um, but again, if you were shamed for such a, for such a long period of time, uh, then even that, that maybe it's a shorter period of time then that you have it or something, but like shame comes in. Definitely. Right? Uh, Big time. And then that cuts you off from that Big time. blissful oneness that yeah. you've just felt. Because imagine knowing that you yourself that all of that lies inside of you. That you don't need anything outside of yourself to experience that. Mm. What that does to you, the level of empowerment that Yeah, I was gonna you, say it's quite empowering. It's liberating. It gives you quite a lot of agency. Yeah. It's like, I don't need to buy this dress in order to feel sexy. I, I feel sexy. You know, yeah. I, 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 I am. Like, I am. Yeah. I, you know, I, it's like, I'm, I have this feeling inside of my body. Yeah. I don't need things to give it to me. So it really it empowers you. Mm. So, yes, I mean, cutting someone off from their sexuality, you're cutting them off from a lot of things. Mm. I wonder if they knew what they were doing. Go into that because you can go into the conspiracy theory. No, of I don't this. want to go into the conspiracy. Osho goes into this. He says it's all planned and that it was. A, Osho, the. Um, what's he, Japanese? No, no, Osho was also a tantric. Um, there was a documentary about him. About oh, is he the, one country. of the gurus? Yes, so oh, there was a lot shit. of scandals yeah, and whatever, yeah. but he's got something to say. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's saying it's a way to control people. Yeah, I can imagine that they have been authoritative powers that have, that have known this and that have used it throughout human, I mean, it could uh, be. the human history. Yeah. I was thinking about the Nationalist Afrikaner Party, you know, like whether they were like, mm, sexuality is it's a little smooth to be here. Well, you know, they'll have us to see dance. Right. But does it joke where they say, um, uh, do you, oh, you have you had sex standing up? And they said, no, it looks too much like dancing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. 
of the irony. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like so. Okay. Okay, let's move on. But let's not go into that. that. I don't yeah. have a lot to say about it. I, I can mean, joke yeah. about it, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't like to go into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but the, the point is that doing it intentionally or unintentionally, consciously or un- unconsciously, has yeah. the effect on us that yeah. there is a lot of shame. There's a lot of shame, and there's a lot of shame in. Um, I don't know, better words for it, but to allow yourself to enjoy this natural bliss that you have in your body. Yeah. What are we cutting it off for? To be a good human? How's that going for you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not in heaven yet. (laughs) Not in heaven yet, but when I get to heaven. Yeah, for some promise, you know, I I get it. I mean, and I also get it. We're scared. Reality is fucking insane. It's like, how do you make sense of all of this? Mm -hmm. So I understand to grasp onto some rule structure that gives you some feeling of safety and understanding. I get it. You know, I'm like, yes, life is hard and confusing and mm. scary and vast and you are so fucking vast, how to mm. make sense of this. Mm. Put it in a little box, you know? Mm. That's the impulse, yeah. I get it, where the tantrics are like, Let it go. we want to dance in the chaos and feel the chaos, just in the, in the everythingness. Mm. Is it bad to say chaos? Hmm? Is it bad to say chaos? I just don't want to put chaos feels like it has a polarity. Um, you know, it's like chaos and calm where I'm like, uh-huh. mm, maybe I like to use that as a beautiful example. I see someone we use in Tantra, they use a lot of like iconography and um, one, the one that I love is the sky dancer and it's this body of a Dakinian naked woman who's dancing like in the cosmos. Uh-huh. And I like that because that's the, you know, that is that image of you, life is dancing through you and mm. with you, you know. You're letting it flow. You're letting it flow. Mm. And it's like your skin is almost transparent because you're not holding onto it. Your small personality is not making it fit through a certain straw so that you can experience life in this way because this is how life is. Mm. But you can allow life to unfold and then it can surprise you and it can, it can evolve and it can be vast. Yeah. I like that image. Um, so I yes. thought about the work you do. Um, and I thought about my own thing. I'm, I don't want to act like this has nothing to do with me. <laughs> but um, I thought about it. I, I thought about a, a type of paradox that exists mm-hmm. with, when it comes to shame mm-hmm. and sexuality and desire. Okay. And I thought about how I'm afraid to express what I desire Mm -hmm. because I'm afraid to be shamed Mm -hmm. or to feel shame. Mm -hmm. And then I'm in a position where I'm a little bit unsatisfied, right? Because I'm not expressing... But you're never expressing the fullness of your desire. Exactly what I desire. So I'm not giving my partner the opportunity to do exactly what I want. Okay, so we're speaking in the context of... Sexual. Yes, let's be yeah. Because yeah. I was like, life desires. No, no, no. Let's talk about sexual, se- okay. so sexual desires. Sex. Yeah. So. Okay. The kind of thing goes where, say, I'm too ashamed to express what I want to desire, and now I'm a little bit unsatisfied. Not totally, but like there's vast things that I haven't explored yet because I'm not. I'm just too ashamed. Mm-hmm. 
then I'm also too ashamed to admit that I'm not 100% satisfied. Why? Because it's in the world we live in today, where sexuality is being... You're not going to be a man. I don't wanna, <laughs> no, I don't want to be the stuff who isn't... Okay. Like, okay. Who isn't expressive enough, who isn't okay. open enough. Like, I feel like, okay. oddly, our generation went from being raised where sex is completely shameful to now living in the social media, digitized, globalized world, where sex is fucking yeah. cool. Being yeah. sexually expressive, at least that's As what, a performance, that's I'd what, say. But no, no, but I, I feel like that's what media is telling us. Like, it's cool to be sexually expressive. It's cool to express mm-hmm. your desires, to be able to mm-hmm. express your desires. Mm-hmm. So it feels like a little bit of a paradox, like a little bit of a catch-22 yeah. situation that, yeah. that we're in. Um, and I guess... Like, the question is, have you dealt with that before? Is it a phenomenon that you're aware of? <laughs> I'm not asking you to solve my problem for me, but, like, is this, am I learning that? Uh, is, is it out there as a thing? Um, no, this is, a, this is a big thing that I think almost everyone has. Um, <clears throat> I, found it, I find it a lot in men. Um, my lover is also having thing where he experiences difficulty in expressing the fullness of fullness of his desire, mm. and um, I don't think there's one reason for this. I think there's some umbrella reasons, and then there's something really personal to it, usually mm. also. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the, the the fear of what it would mean to express the fullness of your sexuality, you know, that takes you immediately to, I don't want to be the rapist or the pervert. The oppressor. The oppressor or the, mm-hmm. the scary one. Yeah, when is my desire uh, dangerous? Exactly. Mm. So there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of people that fear, that think that their sexuality, the fullness of it, if it's mm. in its raw expression of, you know, unbounded, it's dangerous. Mm. Which is not true. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's what we've, and thought to think, mm. you know, just think of, I think many people, if you think of the, when you started feeling your sexual self, your sexual energy, when you started experiencing yourself as a sexual being, probably immediately in that same time, it was shamed. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I, can, I can remember boys in school, like, it was like a big thing if they had an erection, you know, mm. it was like gross and shaming each other and it's like your body is just responding to life yeah. you know and it's it's quite sweet and beautiful yeah. but now already that already creates a disconnect mm. you know that's my body expressing reacting to life you know mm. that's your desire mm. and already it's shamed it's yeah. already no now you hate it because it makes you get bullied yeah or it makes you be you feel embarrassed, embarrassed or, or, or you're a pervert Mm. Or your mom relates to men who have erections because of her training as perverts. She's like, put that thing away. Mm. And you feel that energy of fucking pervert, you know. Mm. And it's like, am I a pervert? Is my desire a perversion, you know? It's also then associating this feeling that in the beginning feels exactly like what we were just speaking about, like you're one with the universe and like you're this amazing yeah. oneness and then suddenly that's bad. What? And yeah. you're too young to really understand the abstract ideas yet, yes. so now you just have this feeling. 
you have this you have this arousal which is nothing more than you know your heart beating faster your body is like softening you're focusing you know mm. it's like this beautiful reaction in the body and now it's made ugly yeah you know that's that training already sort of really young yeah. and for men you know we can still hide our arousal yeah. and you know, lie about it and be mm. manipulative where I think it's quite beautiful. Your body, your bodies don't lie. Yeah. We can see, you know. <laughs> can you? <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> no, but I, and, and, and that's the thing. And so it's, that is an expression of yeah. your desire. Yeah. So there's the first cut, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's that shame of dealing with the fact that your body expresses that and that it can be seen by other people. Mm. That in itself is already a big thing to deal with, is to reconnect with, can we say penis? Oh, well, that's we penis. said Western, to reconnect with your genitals, your penis, um, yeah, to check in what shame do you hold there, mm-hmm. you know, physically, not as a concept, because mm-hmm. it's easy to think, mm-hmm. you know, but when you look at your penis, when you hold it in your hand, when you relate with it, I mean, this is the part of your body that you enter your beloved with. Mm. And you hold shame there? You're entering your beloved through shame? Which, I mean, I have compassion. We're all doing it. We've all done it to a certain extent. Mm. And I'm like, this is how we express love. We make love like this, you know? And yet we carry all that pain there. And we think it's not important to work on that. Mm. I guess it isn't uh, an option... (laughs) Uh, just in terms of like um, the spectrum of different healing practices oh, okay. that are out yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, it's not like you don't know where to call your yeah, uncle like, tantric who, who do I call <laughs> yeah. to help me. Yeah. Uh, but but whereas uh, and there probably is. I just don't know about it. But like you know, I have heard about workshops where women just gaze at their vaginas. Yeah, and I think it's yeah, um, in in community with other women, yeah. and then there's uh, healing that takes place. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm talking about it like I know something about it. You obviously know more about but it. But you, like, you 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 can feel something, yeah. you, even though you don't really know what's happening there. You hear it, and you understand mm. that that must you know there's something in your body that's responding. Yeah. Well, right. I, I can I can feel like that would be a hugely healing experience, even though I don't have a vagina. Um, yeah, but think about it if if you were doing the same thing, but with yeah. your penis. We call yeah. it lingam. It's a Sanskrit term. So, if you yeah, a lingam. Lingam. It's lingam and yoni. Sanskrit name for penis is lingam, and for vagina is yoni. Uh, I thought you made yoni up. I thought that was. So <laughs> I mean the universe. Yeah, so um and it's I think there's a lot of work been done um with women mm. in the spiritual community. It's been coming a long time. Mm. I think, you know, because women were so suppressed and it was so obvious that we were suppressed by patriarchy, maybe men were equally as suppressed, but it wasn't as obvious. It's so, also I think perceived I mean it's not just perceived, we did the the oppressing, uh, not, not just you, me, but yes. But yeah, I, I feel like the the system was obviously mostly kind of maintained by yeah. by men, and so yeah. we almost, in a way, did this to ourselves. Uh, whereas uh, maybe it 
feels differently for women because yeah. not so directly yeah. in, uh, you know, responsible for patriarchy as mm. we are. Well, um, I don't, I don't, I don't, okay, let's not, not I can talk about that, but I don't want to, I want to rather focus on, on the sexual penis aspect holding, of penis yes. holding. Let's yeah, focus on penis holding. holding. Um, I think maybe just because it was so obvious to women that they were suppressed, that they really, you know, there was the female liberation movement and that really got women to focus on, like, working through the suppression. Mm. Where I don't think there's been a lot of focus on men working through the suppression because they were also suppressed, you know. So only recently, well, in my experience, what I've started seeing, um, yeah, I mean, even with my teacher that, We've only recently, um, well, maybe she did before, but now started going, okay, let's, what about the men? Mm. What about the men's relationship to their penises? Mm. You know, we've been doing all this work with the yonis and the sexual freedom for the woman and, the, you know, all that stuff and the heart and the yoni connection. What about the men? Mm. And I've, I mean, I feel for the men. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I'm talking about it and I can't imagine, yeah, this, this big shadow on your sexuality. I'm, you know, you either ordained like a guy or you're a fucking rapist, yeah. pervert. You know, yeah. it's like, where do you... <laughs> it is a tricky time to be alive. <laughs> I, thought about, I thought about that uh, when I was you know, preparing here as yeah. well. Because um, also, I think because women are being liberated in the mm. way that women are being liberated and so expressive mm. about sexuality and yeah. platforms like social media uh, then become platforms for sexual expression yeah. um, but then it also becomes I guess dangerous in some ways because I think men maybe who are a little bit you know maybe perverse in problematic ways uh, then have this kind of content or this opportunity mm. to to pry and where I guess where it almost feels like you are a pervert if you if you're looking at these beautiful boobies that are being flashed i get it you know like i get it so yeah, I, yeah because we haven't done the work yeah. um on liberating ourselves yeah. as men and yeah. i guess we are in just in a, a weird situation at the moment yeah, um, yeah. so I, I think it's yeah a lot of the it's time so you are it's doing, time. You're doing we are work. doing it. We you're are doing, doing work the work. With you and your, your yeah, teacher. Yeah, my teacher. Are doing yeah, work. it's cool. time. And um, yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff is. I mean, you're doing it. You know, you're thinking about. You at least know that mm. there is something blocking you from being in your full expression. Mm. This is what Ramdas says. This you can't become free if you don't know that you are stuck. Right. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's a lot of pe people are like, oh, I'm having a great time sexually. You know, like. Yeah. You know, I fuck my wife once a month and everything's great, you yeah, know. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, gosh, 100%. Yeah. If, if that's what sexuality means to you, who am I to tell you what is right or wrong? Yeah. Um, but if you feel, if you feel inside of you, you have, you know, this, I'm not in my fullness. And, and you have a sense that there's something more here or that there's a longing, mm. you know, there's this longing for, yeah, to experience your beloved fully. Yeah. And yeah, yourself yeah. fully. Yeah, yeah. And and the and, to, and a knowing or curiosity that you could use your sex to experience that. Mm. Definitely. I think uh, the idea that sex can be uh, more than just, you know, what it is, what it has been growing up. Genital rubbing. Genital <laughs> rubbing. <laughs> bam, bam. Yeah. Um, 
and the idea that sex could be healing. Like this idea that uh, another thing we didn't get to that hopefully we can speak about next time is how relationships are a location for healing or like it's my favorite topic. Because, I mean, I obviously think about healing as quite an um, individual practice. Ah. Uh, or maybe obviously isn't the right word, but just... No, no, I get it. As a, as a someone who yes. grew up in a Western kind of thing um, and studied psychology, I think about, you know, like uh, the rational experience, analytical experience and the emotional, the feeling mm-hmm. experience. But mm-hmm. I think about that as something that is quite individual, I guess. And so looking at your work, I was like, right, yeah, obviously relationships can be a really great way of healing um, both and I guess in some cases the relationship if the relationship is struggling but I guess even if the relationship isn't struggling you can do work to heal the people in the relationship yeah I mean I I don't like to use the word heal but I understand you know I get it yes because yes we do have wounds because of our upbringing but for me that that focuses on that idea that we are sinful and that we are bad, we're broken, we're wounded, you know. Um, and for me, just because language is interesting and how we use language affects mm. us, I'm more, I'd like to use the word rather to liberate, you know, to become okay. free. Uh, so it's not about fixing a broken thing. It's just about, for me, yeah, it's just yeah. about how can I be more free, more me, uh, love more. I like that because it's also there isn't an end point. Yeah, it's not like, it's not I'm, like gonna I'm gonna fix this and then it's gonna be done. And then, and then the rest of my life is gonna be fucking great. Yeah, <laughs> and I think a lot of people also, um, and I understand why I come to session with me, and they think you know it's like a poll they're gonna take and this is healing and then it's gonna be done. And I'm like, babe, this is hey, a life journey. Yeah, <laughs> it's also a medicinal way of thinking about it. It's like healing. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's yeah. like there's a wound and we're gonna fix it. Yeah. And it's like no. You have recognized a part in yourself that is causing you to not be free, which is fucking amazing that you've even had that realization. And now you're wanting to see if you can unfold, you know, if you can open up more into yourself and what that would feel like and where's your edge and, you know, how your life is going to change when you stop holding on to this rigid idea of who you are. It's such a Process. Your experience will get better, probably, or more open. And it's like someone also said they they don't like uh, using the word happy or trying mm. to think about becoming happy. It's yeah. it's about becoming. What can make me? What was the word? Uh, larger, bigger, oh, something like so that. You can experience expansive, more, expansive, more expansive. I like that. Expansive. Rather than happy. Yeah. Um, it's a similar well, thing here. Yes. It's like not, not healing, but. Liberating. Yes, liberating. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, Maybe that's a good place to pause. Okay. Rather than stop. I mean, is there anything you want to share for people who have the same struggles as what we've been talking about today in terms of Mm. what they can come to you for or what you can Mm. help them with or what they can look out for or Mm. stuff like that? Um, yeah, so what I do, I mean, it's funny because we've been talking a lot and I mostly work with the body. <laughs> Next time we can do we something do else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of blurring out in the yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah, 
yeah, um, basically what we've been talking about and using the body to relax into more of who you are, to locate stop points and tension where you've tensed away from life, um, to access those spaces, to teach your body that it's okay to feel it, so that you can become more free, so that you can allow more feelings in. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's not just working with, with, with sex specifically, mm. but I have found that it's almost the shortcut okay. because all of our stuff lies in our sex. Mm. Um, I mean, people come sit with me with conflict and when they tell me about how they make love, you know, I'm like, oh, so you're a people pleaser because you're mother and you're this and you're that. Like all that stuff lies there. Wow, it's like uh, reading the tea leaves. <laughs> it's like, like, God, like, let me just watch you make love. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just stand in the corner. And then. <laughs> just let me. <laughs> no, not a creep. <laughs> not always. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, um, uh, it's basically, it's so hard for me. I always struggle to talk about in a yeah, short way about what I do. But yeah, it's really for people who desire to become more free mm-hmm. and have noticed you need an awareness to mm-hmm. come for a session because we're not going to, it's not entertainment. We're not, I'm not going to persuade yeah. you that doesn't mm-hmm. work. Like you need to have the desire because it's that desire, it's that longing that's going to push you to do it. It's going to make you change. It's going to make mm-hmm. you choose differently, mm-hmm. you know, because I can't do it for you. Mm-hmm. I can help you to experience something in the body. Mm-hmm. I can facilitate that. And then that maybe will inform your mind that it's okay to feel it. But I can't do the unfolding for you. So, yeah, I mean, I work a lot with people that have noticed that they've got, you know, the piece you spoke about is absolutely something that people come for. Um, You know, and that's a beautiful noticing because stuff like that can actually end up in actual physical conditions. You know, Mm -hmm. you are losing your erection Mm -hmm. because you've cut so much, you've shamed it so much Mm -hmm. that your body doesn't even want to go there. Mm -hmm. You know, but that's obviously um, not, it's not necessarily the same. I'm just saying you have, it's like women not being able to orgasm, you know, all of that stuff. And then, yeah, the main thing I love to work, or the thing I love to work on is relationships. Okay. Because it's how we relate to life, it's how we love, it's how much our heart opens, and Mm. uh, we've got to talk about that next time. Yes. How, yeah, Yeah. relationships are mirrors, and you can use it to see your inner world. I'd love to. Esther Perel. Esther Perel. Yeah, I rewatched her stuff also, because I saw that you... Uh, are a fan of her as big well. Mm. Yeah, so big, there's lots to talk about there's there lots as to well. Talk about, lots to talk about there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've, I mean, I'm, I'm in a school, I a school with my teacher called the Tantra School of Fascinating Wonderment. Cool. I think it's a big word. Yeah. Um, and we run a lot of stuff. There's a lot of workshops. We work doing a, we're doing men's work this weekend. Okay. Maybe you should come. <laughs> We're starting tomorrow. It's a bit short short notice. But I'll look out for for next stuff. And for people who want to, like, what's the best place to follow you, to find you? Instagram. I'm on Instagram. I don't know. I'll have links. Do links and stuff. We've got a website that you can check out, the Mm. school's website. And And you've got a website. I'll have a link I've also also got a website. And, yeah, just come to an event we mm. have so many where you can just come and see and feel and um yeah if it's for you if it's for you and again it doesn't have to be for you this is just a way yeah this is just a tool you yeah. know it's just if this tickles your fancy if you want to include i mean i haven't found another form of spirituality that includes sex you know right. 
It's like people say Tantra is about sex. I'm like, it's not about sex. It just it doesn't exclude it. sex. Uh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably a common misconception. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it does. I mean, there are sexual practices. So obviously, it's like, ooh. Yeah. It's, um, I can also imagine that many people have mistaken what you do for a type of... Um, Sex worker or yeah. something. 100%. Really? <laughs> yes. really? Yes. Sure. I get, I get a lot of requests Ach. and it's, I'm like, oh, you know, that's where humanity's at at the mm. moment. And, I guess, yeah. You know, Sex is something yeah. there. It's like something I can like pay and mm. it's an entertainment piece. And, you know, uh, I, get a lot, I get angry at that a lot, but then I also remember like, wow, that's kind of why I'm doing this work, you know, yeah, it's yeah. because of the and the pain and the misconception and the disconnection. Yeah. Opening up to the truth of <sighs> sex and sexuality. Yeah. Thank you. Big pleasure. Cool, yeah. I hope I hope you enjoyed that. I definitely did. I learned a lot. Um, I'll have links to Olivia's website and her Instagram, etc. Uh, in the description of this episode. Um, yeah, if this resonated with you, I definitely recommend getting in touch with Olivia. I know I'm definitely going to uh, consider relationships and sex as a space where I can learn and, and grow. Um, and kind of a location of maybe not healing, but of liberation. Yeah, so look out for the next episode soon and thanks for listening.